turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 8, and we're going <clears> to <throat> take a look at the, uh, there's a little story in there, it's not really a parable, it's a story about Luke and his uh, disciples, they're on a, a boat trip, a little boat ride, and they're going across the Sea of Galilee to the other side. So we're going we're gonna to take it from there. Luke chapter, uh, Luke chapter 8, verses uh, 29. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Luke 8, verses 26 through uh, 39. I'm going to go ahead and uh, pray, pray real quick. Then we'll get, uh, get into the word. And uh, hopefully, uh, Lord, we, Lord, we thank you that we could uh, come here this evening, Father. We thank you for uh, the great playing of Chris, Father. And help us to... Just focus our hearts uh, to you this evening, Father, and please uh, speak to us uh, through your word, Father, and uh, prepare us, Father. Uh, speak through me, Lord. Help me to get out of the way. Speak to us. Prepare our hearts, Lord. Most of all, help us to go and apply what, you, what you're trying to teach us, Father. Again, we lift up Pastor Tony as he's on vacation. Just be with his family, Father, and just bless him and keep him safe and bring him back safely, Father. We ask all these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. The the topic, uh, I guess every every message or every little sermon you have to give a topic s- statement to. I know usually uh, businesses have a mission statement. So anyway, mine is uh, when you have to confront confrontation and you really don't know what to do. <laughs> so dealing with confrontation, I guess, is is the topic. And a lot of times in, in life, you, you, they say you're either entering a storm. Or you're you're leaving a storm, or you're about to enter enter a storm, or you're right in the middle of a storm. That you know, life is made up of three things. So sometimes, when when things happen, like confrontation happens or trials happen, a lot of times you don't know they're unexpected. You don't know you don't know when they're going to happen, and a lot of times they always happen at like at the worst possible time when stuff happens. So we're going to take it uh, Luke Luke chapter eight. Let me. Uh, It's a kind of a, a lengthy passage, but I'm going to go ahead and read it. And if there's uh, many things in here that the Lord does directly and indirectly that can help us deal with uh, confrontation. So Luke chapter 8. Bring up the Bible a little bit. And then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. Galilee was up in the, uh, I guess, the north northwest corner, and the Gadarenes was in the southern southeast corner of uh, the Sea of Galilee, uh, verse 27. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him, or there he met a certain man from the city who had demons. He was demon-possessed. For a long, oh, he was demon-possessed for a long time, and he wore no clothes, nor did, he, nor did he live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. And with a loud voice he said, What have I to do with you? Jesus, Son of the Most High, God, I beg you, do not torment me, or do not destroy me. Verse 29, For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demons into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him that he would not command them to go into the abyss. Now a herd of many swines was feeding there on the mountain, on the mountainside uh, nearby. So they begged him that he would permit them to enter them. And he permitted them. And the demons went out of the, out of the man and entered the swine. And they heard 
and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake, and they drowned. Verse 34. And when those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. And then they went out to see what had happened, and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they also... Uh, they also had seen it, told them by what means he who had been demon-possessed was now healed. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding regions of the Gadarenes asked, asked him, asked Jesus to uh, depart from them. For they seized him, or for, I'm sorry, for they were seized with great fear. And, they, and he got into the boat and he returned. Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your own house, and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole, the whole city, that whole area, what great things Jesus had done for him. So it's uh, interesting. Jesus, is, he's, done, he's done many things. Uh, he's done a, uh, many things. He's working with his disciples. A little background check here. If you're familiar with the beginning of the gospel, Jesus, his ministry started in, this, in the Galilean area. He left Nazareth and he went to the Sea of Galilee area where he started his ministry. They say his ministry was about three, three and a half years. And during this time, he chose his 12 disciples who now became apostles. So during this time, I'm not sure how much time this was, but he's working with his, his, uh, dis, uh, his disciples and his apostles to try to get them to believe in him, who he was, so he could send them out as apostles so they could preach and proclaim that he was the Messiah and he came to save people from their sins. And in fact, in the, in the very beginning of Mark, Jesus' message was, repent for the, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And I, want you, I want you to believe the gospel, to believe in me. So that's what Jesus was saying. So, um, go back to my no notes here. In the, in the very beginning, I know you. Uh, if you watch many YouTube videos, uh, there's a lot of things I know. Men, men like to tinker with things. It's kind of funny. And there's a lot of YouTube videos on how to how to fix things. How how to videos. You ever watch YouTube or you do YouTube? I know I'm a guy. I like to fix things. I like to know how things work. So I like to search for certain YouTube videos how to how to fix things. And a lot of times I'll watch the video, and of course I'll forget what it is, but I'll. I'll try to do it anyway, and there's more things that I've broken than I've actually attempted to fix. So I have to go back and either watch the video again, or or get, finally get the book or the uh, the manual and read it and read it for myself on how to actually fix things. But YouTube is filled with many videos on how on how to, and a lot of times dealing dealing with confrontation, we don't really know how to confront things or how to deal with confrontation. But the Lord gives us a a lot of good examples here. And probably the, the very the very best thing he does, or the the the, the uh, best example Jesus does, or we can learn from his example dealing with confrontation. What what does he do first? I'm going to go back and read the first uh, couple of verses. Oh, Luke eight. It says uh, they sailed into the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out onto the land, there. There met him a certain man from the city. So the first thing that Jesus does that we should let him to do is go first. Jesus does a great job. He steps out of the boat. We don't even know where the disciples are. 
in this example. We believe they're still in the boat kind of waiting or looking or wondering what's going on. Jesus stepped out of the boat. So he's the first one to confront. He's the first one to confront this guy. And sometimes I said before, you don't know you don't know what you're going to expect and a lot of times I don't even know how I'm going to deal with it. So what is this the first thing that approaches Jesus is a a, a naked man filled with demons in the in a graveyard. <laughs> I don't know if I would I wouldn't know how to how to react to that or how to respond to that. So Jesus goes first. He steps he steps first and he's the first one to meet them. And it, it's a, an amazing d- a dynamic. If I'm if I'm letting the Lord lead me, if I'm following him, I'm behind him and he's ahead of me. So if I can let him go ahead of me to face these things in life, then I have nothing to worry about. But me and my own my own folly, my own thinking, I can think, well, I can handle it. I can do it myself. So what do I do? I usually go ahead of myself and try to fix it or confront it or deal with it. But Jesus has the best example. If I can follow him, he's ahead of me, he's going to go first. And there's a couple of verses here that uh, I want to read. They kind of hand, or they kind of deal with that. Uh, Psalm 32.8. Psalm 32.8, Jesus says, or uh, the Lord says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go, and I will guide you with my eye. Again, if I'm following him, I'm behind him, he's in front of me, and he goes first. He can meet that thing head on. And he can not only uh, prepare me, but he can prepare the way and take care of things that I'm unable to take care of. Uh, Deuteronomy, these are a couple of great verses in the Old Testament. So if you have a pen, you may want to uh, kind of write them down. Deuteronomy 1, 29 through 31. This is the Lord talking to the Israelites in the Old Testament as they were, as they were leaving Egypt. Then, then I said to you, do not be afraid or do not be terrified or afraid of them. For the Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you. And here's a, there's another great verse here. Isaiah, another great promise. Isaiah 45.2 I will go before you and make the crooked places straight and the level I will level the mountains. I will break down the, the gates of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. And these are just some promises in the Old Testament. But we know that in our heart that God will go before us if, if I let him, if I, kinda, if I can get out of the way and trust him. He's going to go before me and he's going to face the things before I do. So the first thing is I want to let him go first. If I'm behind him, following him, he's going to go first and face the things. And second is, uh, oh, there's another great verse in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. Hebrews 2, 18. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to succor or able to help or come to the aid of those who are being tested or tempted. Again, he's able to help us when we face those things that we just, uh, we just don't understand or we just can't handle. And a lot of things, uh, what, what Jesus does here, he, he takes a stand and he's very calm. Uh, number two, when confronting those things that unexpected, when confronting the, the things that are unexpected, and I have to confront. I need to remain calm and maintain my peace and be in control. If if I can hold it together, if I can hold it together, the enemy will eventually fall apart. So it's it's important to I maintain control. And Jesus maintained control. He made, he took a stand and he maintained control. Uh, 
I'm going to read Luke uh, 8, verses 28 and 29. And when Jesus, when he saw, or when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him with a loud voice. And this is the demon speaking through the man. He says, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he, he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, but it often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles. And he broke the bonds and was driven in, by the demons into the wilderness. And, you know, Jesus stood there, and he remained calm. He maintained his peace. If I can do that when I'm being confronted, if I can just maintain my calm and maintain my peace, it's hard to do. It's hard to maintain self-control a lot of times. And I, I recently sold a house in the township, but I had a little confrontation with an, a neighbor a little while back, and it kind of put me in an awkward uh, position. I didn't know what to do. I was dumping leaves in my backyard, and it, over for a couple of years, I went in the backyard, and I noticed that my my neighbor was raking leaves deeper and deeper into my yard. <laughs> I know something we all have confrontations or we have to confront our neighbors sometimes. And I went back there again. I was dumping more leaves, and his line was getting uh, deeper and deeper into my yard. And I also noticed some some trees were cut cut in the back. And it's kind of ironic. I he came over my in my uh, garage. I don't know, a couple of years before that, he asked if he could borrow a saw. And I wonder if it was my saw that he used to cut down my trees. <laughs> and it's kind of is now it's now it's getting awkward and rather rather embarrassing, not embarrassing, but just kind of very awkward. And I remember years ago, or several years back, I was at a barbecue in his backyard, and I think I heard his wife or one of his relatives that trying to you know, what is what is he doing? He likes to look out his kitchen window and he likes to see the view. There's a view in the back, a view of the lake back there. So this is this is odd. So I was in my backyard in that area, you know, trying to figure out what's going on here. I see all these trees are cut down, and there's a line going straight back to his window where he's looking out the window. I said, this is, okay. So now I have to confront him about why are you cutting trees down? Now this is, how am I going to do this? He's one of these guys that is just, he doesn't want to hear it. I'm sure we have a very di difficult people in our lives at work or in our family, they, you know, like in a family outing or a re family reunion. There's always that one uncle or that one guy that, oh, you're okay. But we have to put on our best facade, our best smile and deal with them. So I didn't know how to deal with them. So I wrote a note. I wrote a note and I put on, a, I taped it to his garage door. Probably wasn't the wisest thing to do. He, he didn't like that too much. So I was in the front yard. I was in, I was cutting my grass, and I hear my neighbor Jim. He says, "Hey, what are you what are you doing? Come here, come here, he's come over." Oh, he's he's finally breaking the ice. I get to go talk to him about this. I get to confront him about this issue. I get to get it off my chest, and hopefully, I can clear the air. Well, it, it turns out before I could say anything, he quickly put a spin on it, and he started blaming me. He says, "Why did you put that note on my door? That wasn't very nice. Why did you do that? How, how dare you put a note on my door?" And the note kind of says, hey, Jim, I noticed you raking some leaves in my backyard, and you, you cut some trees down, too. You know, I, I'd like to know, you know if you are, you know, please don't do that. And I thought it was being very kind. He didn't like that at all. And, he's, and he turned it against me against, hey, do you have a problem or something? Are you angry or something going on with you? Why did you do that? He quickly put a spin on me. And I, I didn't know what to say, but, so I, I tried to remain calm. And I just let him blow steam. And I was like, wait a minute, you... You were the one who did something bad to me, and now you're yelling at me. Anyway, the whole thing was just, it was just kind of a joke.
But if I could, if, if I maintain my calm, I didn't do it the best, but if I could t maintain my calm presence and maintain my peace, hopefully he, he would see the difference in me. At least I hope he did. But it, I don't know if it worked, but... <laughs> And I kind of, the temper kind of flared. I shook hands, and that was about it. I walked away. You know how guys deal with stuff. We kind of yell and shake hands and walk away. So that was, that was the end of it. But, uh, but I, I had to maintain my peace. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do is maintain control when somebody's facing you and they're out of control. So it's important. And that's what Jesus did here. He, he maintained his peace and his presence. He stood his ground. And there's a couple of verses, again, they, they kind of go along with that. There's another great verse, if you haven't memorized, Psalm 46.10. You know that one? It says, uh, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Exodus is another great uh, verse. Exodus, just when the Israelites are about to confront the Egyptians. Exodus 14, 13 and 14, and the Lord God says, do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. You will never see the Egyptians again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to you you need only to be still. So many times, you know, the world says, "Don't just stand there. Get up and do something." But the Lord's kind of saying, "Don't do anything. Just stand there and be still." You know, if I can only apply that and just trust Him. And he'll take care of things, but I, I have to rest in him, but it's a, not motion, it's just a, a sense of I have to be still in his presence, and he'll, he'll take, take care of it. How many times do I forget that? You know, do my devotions, I go to work, and I know that he'll take care of things. I don't have to do things and make things happen. I have to rest in him and let him make things happen, let him take care of things. Well, number number three in my list of six or seven things I, to do here. When confronting things you don't want to confront, you know, the next thing to do is uh, don't negotiate. Don't negotiate or try to barter, try to arbitrate, or try to bargain. There's a demon here trying to, trying to barter with the Lord. And I'm going to read verse 28, 30, and 32 again. Okay, and the demon cried out from the man, he said, when he saw him, he cried out, he cried out and fell down before him. And with a loud voice, he said, what, ha what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high? And in verse 29, he said, okay, okay, verse 30, he said, or Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he said, legion, because many demons have entered him. Okay, in verse 31, and they begged him that he would not command them to enter the abyss. So that one phrase in verse uh, 28 is, is, what do I have to do with you? It's a Hebrew idiom. It's uh, what, what to I and what to you. Basically, why are you in my business? You know, my, and basically, mind your own business, Lord. Mind your own business. And you, you, does, do they realize who he's talking to? He's talking to the Lord, the Son of God. And it's, a lot of times, you know, temptation or uh, you're dealing with a conf uh, confronting like an evil or temptation I don't want to negotiate with it. I don't want to barter or bargain with it. The, the enemy, remember what happened back in the uh, valley, or not the valley, but the Garden of Eden? You know, the serpent is testing, you know, Eve. You know, Adam is there. It's like, oh, you certainly, you surely will not certainly die, will you? Of course not. 
You know, taste the fruit. It's going to be delicious. It's going to be good for you. It'll it'll make you think, and you'll become like God, knowing good and evil. You know, trying to, you know, the the enemy wants to try to try to to get us to to fall. Or, you know, John ten ten says. The, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said that I came, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. So I don't want to negotiate or get into a, a debate or an argument with, with something like that. He's trying to get me to compromise so I'll fall into another trap and either ruin my temptation or fall into sin or make someone else stumble or cause someone else to stumble or fall into sin. I don't want to make anybody I don't want to cause anybody else to fall. I don't want to sin or ruin my relationship. So I I don't want to negotiate. Jesus doesn't negotiate. He stands his ground. He stands firm. He doesn't barter. He just looks at this demon and says, hey, what is your name? And obviously the man, the demon speaking through the man, the man can't say anything. So the demon is trying to barter and negotiate with him. So I I don't want to do that. And uh, there's a great verse here, Luke Oh, I didn't write it down. Luke chapter 12, there's an interesting little uh, encounter. There's a couple of guys that come up with, that confront Jesus and want him, to, want him to barter or arbitrate a matter about money. And Jesus said, I didn't come here to arbitrate. I didn't come here to barter. You know, that is none of my business. You guys take care of your own stuff. You know, Jesus is not here to barter with anybody. He's here to, he's on a mission. You know, he's resolute. He, he has his eyes on the cross. He's going to come here... You know, serve, live, uh, pronounce who he is, and proclaim his mission, then die on the cross for our sins. He's not here to get involved in people's, you know, issues or barterings or dealings. So he wants, he, he wants us to maintain control as well, and he wants us to maintain peace. A lot of times, the, the enemy will whisper in your ear, you know, s- subtle things like, "Hey, you know, uh, I think that would look good on you," or, you know, I think you should try some, taste it. You know, it's not going to hurt. You know, I think you should have one too. What else would he uh, whisper in your ear? Yeah, it feels good. Just go ahead and do it. Uh, no one's watching. Who's going to know? You know, he's, all these things when you, when no one's around, I'm just by myself. Well, no one's watching. I can watch that. I can get away with that. Who, who cares? Well, the Lord cares. He's watching. Everybody's doing it. Why can't I do it? You know, all these subtle tricks that the, that the enemy tries to negotiate or... or you know, try to argue with you to get you to fall in sin. But the Lord knows. And he wants us to be filled with his word so we can know as well, so I, I won't have to fall into sin. So he, he does. He wants us to take our stand. He doesn't want us to negotiate. And uh, number four here, when confronting the things that we don't want to confront, I need to, I need to have the proper attitude and the proper perspective when I'm, when I'm confronting things. And it's, it's kind of... Uh, it's kind of neat here, verses uh, 33, 34, 37. Jesus has the right attitude toward this man. He, he the, the poor guy, he's a naked man. <laughs> it's not funny, but he's the, a naked man uh, in the graveyard, in tombs, and he's filled with demons. And Jesus kind of looks beyond that, and he has compassion for this man. He really wants to help him. So he's trying to get the he's try, he's trying to get beyond that to help this man. And I think Jesus wants us to have the same compassion, you know, for others to look beyond that. Uh, Philippians two, Philippians chapter two, verses three and four. That's a great verse. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, being very humble, humility. Let each esteem or think 
others better than, than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. See, so Jesus, he wants us to have the right perspective and the right attitude. I want to look, look at things through the lens of Scripture and through his eyes when I confront someone that I, I may not want to deal with, I may not like. You know, recently, again, I had a, my boss called me into her office a couple of years ago, and she said some things that were not very pleasant. I can't repeat a few things. It was a miscommunication, but she just went off on me. And again, I stood there and tried to smile. And there, <laughs> Inside of me, I was doing my best Sanford and Son. I wanted to knock her out. You know, I, I, I can't do that. I just maintained my smile, and I just let her say her piece. And after the argument, or after all the yelling was done, you know, a while later, she cooled off and the truth came to the, the to the argument and she said, oh, she made a mistake. So, you know, it was a mis, uh, a miscommunication, a mis, it was, it was wrong. But when, after the fact, I was able to maintain composure and, and things worked out at the end. But when you're going through that and you just, it's, it's hard, it really is. But Jesus wants us in the middle of that to try to think of the other person to try to think of what they're going through, to try to have love and respect and compassion for them. And it's hard when you're in, in the heated battle or in the, you know, in the midst of an argument or a fight or a, a debate about something. You, you know, your, your anger is welling up. You're, you're not thinking straight. Sometimes I have to take a step back and look at the big picture. I, I need his perspective, the right attitude. So in verses, uh, uh, back to Luke 8, verses 33, 34 through th- uh, 37. Now the demons, okay, verse 32, now, now a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountains. So they begged him, and he would not, oh, oh, they begged him that he would permit him to enter them. He permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine. And he heard, and the herd ran violently down the, the steep place into the lake and drowned. Okay, verse 34. When those who fed him saw what had happened, they fled. They were terrified, and they told it to the city and in the country. In verse 37, the whole, the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them. For they were seized with great fear, and he got into the boat and returned. So what I'm trying to say is the people of, that, of the surrounding area of the city of the Gadarenes and the Gerasenes, they were more concerned about the 2,000 swine and how they could profit from that. And how that could take care of the needs. They could sell the, the, the pigs or the swine. They were more concerned about their own needs. And, and they didn't like Jesus. They didn't care about this man in, in, the, in the graveyard. Apparently they left him alone. They didn't want to mess with him. And they didn't even like Jesus either. They were scared of him. And they actually told him to depart and go away. They were more con- selfishly concerned about their own profit, their own well-doing. But Jesus wasn't. He was, he was concerned about the man and he was concerned about doing the right thing. And he was concerned about uh, the man's well-being and the man's salvation and the man's deliverance. And, and those guys weren't. So there's a good contrast here of what, of what I should have a perspective for and what I should not. So it's, it's pretty amazing. I need, to, I need to have the right attitude and perspective when I'm confronting those things that I don't want to confront. And again, uh, when I'm going into something, sometimes... I have to I have to think twice. Right? I have to I have to take my time and pause and be, and pray about it and be prepared before I enter into that confrontation. A lot of times I've heard people say in the past, 
even before the phone rings, you want to pray before you answer it so maybe I can answer correctly or properly. I don't know who's on the other end. It's usually a telemarketer. I want to tell them something that I shouldn't. But you don't know what to expect, but I can always be prepared and ready you know, to answer that or to confront that thing that needs to be uh, confronted or that I have to confront that I don't really want to. And, and number five, when confronting the things that need to be confronting, I need to trust the Lord and let him handle it. And a lot of times, how many times I take things into my own hands or in my own strength and try to take care of things or do things my way, what happens? I just make a mess of it. Then I have to go back and do it over again or try to fix it, try to make things right or try to mend those relationships or try to mend the broken relationships. I always have to go back to fix it to try to make it right when I should just step back and let the Lord take care of it in the first place. And usually uh, all things work out for the best. All things he, he usually does a better job than me. He can take care of it. And verse uh, 30... Luke eight thirty five and 36, Jesus goes on to say, or just like, listen to what happens. Then, okay, uh, 8, verse 35, Then they, they went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man whom the demons had departed. The man was sitting at his feet, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. So the man was sitting at Jesus' feet, he was clothed, and he was in his right mind. So Jesus not only can take care of it, he can fix it. He can f fix the man and give the man exactly what he needs. He's, he's cold. He puts clothes on him. He, he sends the demons away. So now he's free on the inside. And the man is clear-headed. He's saved. He's delivered. Jesus knows how to fix things. I don't. <laughs> I can look at my, my YouTube videos, how to, whatever. But a lot of times there's issues of the heart. Only Jesus can fix or take care of those issues of the heart. And a lot of times, I just, I can't. He can, um, he, he can take care of things. There's, there's another verse here, um, Philippians chapter 2. Oh, Philippians 2.13, in, in my notes here. For it is God that works, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So he knows how to prepare us um, to handle things, but also to allow us to get the right frame of mind so I let him go and take care of it. I, again, Jesus knows how, how to do things, and I, I don't. So I, I need to sometimes take a step back and let him, let him have his way. And I guess um, finally, um, number six I wrote down, Finally, when, when the confrontation is over and things are squared away, however it, it wraps up, Jesus, he did not want the man to be with him, or, but he wanted him to go and tell others. If I can read the last couple of verses in here. Okay, verse 37, the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart for they were seized with great fear, and he, got, and he got into the boat and returned. But they were terrified. But this man who was healed, now the Lord wanted him to go and tell others. In verse 38, now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. He wanted to go with Jesus, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your house and tell, and tell what great things 
the Lord God has done for you. And he went away and proclaimed it throughout the, the whole city and throughout of what, what great things Jesus had done for him. A lot of times I, I get, um, you, you know, I, I want to I wanna be with him. But Jesus, he, he promises, the pro, what does Jesus promise? I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I want you to go and tell others. I want you to, to be my hands and feet. I want you to go and tell them of, of what great things I have done for you. And if he's he's going to go into the into the region was a, a Gentile a Greek region of the Gadarenes and the Gerasenes, he can be more effective there, being a minister there than Jesus can go back and work with his uh, disciples. So he, he effectively takes care of two things at once. But he wants us to not only experience the victory but also go and tell others of, of the great things God has done for us. So I just I want to look back in my life and I want to remember what God has done for me. And I want to believe that God can do great more things in me so I can also share with others. So anyway, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and close from there. So hopefully we can learn something from that, that, you know, the God, the Lord, he can he can fix those things that we can't fix. And he wants us to confront those things. He wants to confront those things for us that we have a hard time confronting. So anyway, let's go ahead and pray and we'll uh, turn it over to Chris. Uh,